Welcome to Becoming Your Greatest Possible Self. I am Chris Burns, America's number one motivational speaker for fiery inspiration and GPS coach for entrepreneurs and high achievers. Each episode, we interview leaders and great role models who make a massive impact in the world to help you master yourself, take courageous action, and make every day your best day ever. Ladies and gentlemen, we are about to dive into a powerful interview talking about the value of diversity, talking about how you can use this to truly ignite yourself, to become your greatest possible self. Dr. DeAndrea Matthews is about to come on and blow your mind. Before that, let's talk to you because you're becoming your greatest possible self. And I want to say thank you for being here, for showing up, for taking one step at a time. That's how you achieve anything. One step, one step, one step. So thank you for being here. Keep showing up. Next up is our iTunes review of the week. This week, it's by P. Cully, who says, Great podcast, informative and educational. Love the energy and effort that goes into this marathon. Tune in and see what I am talking about. P. Cully, thank you so much for that review. If you want a chance to get shouted out on a future 12-hour live stream, go to beergps.com forward slash iTunes or search Greatest Possible Self on the Apple Podcast Store. Let us know what you love, what you want to see more of, and how we can improve the show for you. And uh, definitely subscribe while you're there so you can keep getting all the latest updates and episodes from the show. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to introduce Dr. DeAndre in just a second here. Before that, grab a piece of paper, grab a pen, be ready to take notes. This is going to be a powerful interview, so stick around all the way through to the end because one idea has the power to change everything for you. Graced with an abundance of gifts, Dr. DeAndre Matthews, without reservation, seamlessly, selflessly, pours her heart into her work and into the lives of many in various capacities. Commonly known as Dr. D, she is an author, educator, and an international speaker, and she's passionate and accomplished because Dr. D's gifts, exercised through voice and pen, have aspired many to embark on their own road to success. Dr. D is the president and founder of Claire Alden Publications. She has written and published several books, book chapters, and academic journal articles. Dr. D is inspired and committed to paving the way for many to grow spiritually and professionally. And because of this, many lives will unquestionably be impacted in the most positive way by and through Dr. DeAndrea Matthews. And we are blessed to have this powerhouse superwoman here with us today. Dr. DeAndrea, are you ready to bring the heat, superwoman? I'm ready. <laughs> we are live on Becoming Your Greatest Possible Self. Thank you so much right. for being here. We Absolutely. are going to have a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. Let's dive right into the theme, which today is home is blank. So, Dr. Right. Andrea, what does home mean to you? So when I saw that, I got excited because home is where my love of reading began. Ooh. It's where it began to take shape. So a lot of people, especially when you're an author, people want to know, well, when did you know that you wanted to be an author? When did you really start reading and writing? And for me, it started early, early on. So mm. in our childhood home, we had a lot of the classics. We had Robert Louis Stevenson. We had Shakespeare. We had Louisa May Alcott. We had just tons of classic books in our home library. So, you know, my love for books started even before I went to school. I went to school and I was a participant in, I'm about to tell my age, in a public TV show called Reading Road Quiz. And it was for elementary students. We read what seemed like a hundred books to prepare for this uh, wow. game show. 
And it was a game show for elementary students. We had to read the books and then go on just like a traditional game show and you hit the buzzer, answer questions and win prizes for your school. So my love for reading started at home in school very early on, I would say probably around six or seven years old. So home just has some warm and fuzzy memories for me. In addition to that though, home is where my love for the word, the written word, the oral word began. And I say that because what I do now is a direct reflection of that love that was developed early on. I was the kid that sat under my grandparents and listened to all of their stories and, you know, took in the information about, you know, what had happened in their lives when they were young, when they were coming up. And I remembered that. So a part of what I do as an author and a publisher, Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that people who have captured those oral traditions, who've captured those stories, help to maintain them as now a written legacy. Because for most of us, I know most all of my grandparents are now deceased. So if we don't have those stories, then they're now gone. So I want to help other families to be able to create those oral or capture those oral traditions and help them to become written legacies. Mm. Mm. I love it. I love it, Dr. D, how your your story of your of your humble humble beginnings, right? Just reading yes. some books led you to where you are today, helping other people to to encapsulate their stories, their wisdom, their their life experience to really Absolutely. serve others and make that that massive difference, that massive impact, that massive ripple effect in the world. It's it's awesome. I love I love hearing how home is that for you? Home is where that that love for books came from, and it's no it's no like wonder why you love reading, writing, and producing beautiful literary works for the world to enjoy. It's it's awesome. absolutely thank you. I love it. So tell our audience a little bit more about uh, how you're serving your clients today. You have a, a number of different things that you're doing, um, but just in <laughs> in general, what do you stand for, and what do your clients come to you for? Very good question. So overall, if I had to choose one word that describes who I am and what I do, it would simply be diversity. Now, Mm -hmm. a lot of people, when they think of diversity, they only think about race, ethnicity, gender, and those primary characteristics. But diversity is so much deeper than that for me. It includes so many different aspects of who I am. Now, I'm guilty of being one who's always tried to compartmentalize the different parts of my life. Mm -hmm. So when I was in school, I was in school. When I was at work, I was at work. When I was Mm -hmm. at home, I was at home. And those were different aspects of me, but I did not have them in a space where I was empowered with all of those different hats that I wore. So in learning to accept my own voice and learning to uh, accept who I am and everything that I bring to the table, I had to be able to do that. And now I help the people that I work with, my clients and others, to be able to see, take a step back, see everything that they bring to the table, and also how they can use those various aspects and characteristics of their whole self to become their greatest possible self. Wow. Wow. So that the this pain, so to speak, of compartmentalizing, of feeling like we were you were leaving yourself out of certain areas, the fullness, the full impact, the full joy, the full aliveness, the full fulfillment of of yes. you and who you could be in that moment. It's like, oh, but there's this part over here, but I can't I can't share that with people for whatever reason because I'm in this environment, I'm in this place, yes. and here's what's what's required of me to show up in this place. So yep. when we bring more of ourselves, the the whole wholeness of ourselves, I think that's when we truly shine and can be that greatest possible self, right? 
That's right. And that's that's the moment I'm in now. So Mm -hmm. as you mentioned, I'm an author. Um, I've now authored six books, four book chapters and two academic articles. Uh, So I have that on the author side. I'm also a publisher. Uh, As a publisher, I now have 16 authors under my belt. So in addition to that, I am also an international speaker. So a lot of the things that I do, you know, I see where it all merges and comes together. And again, I'm ready to walk in that and empower other people. All right. We are going to go back into this journey, Dr. D, because I know that this this passion, this love of books, you know, it started mm-hmm. off when you were young. But I want to hear a little bit more about your journey into becoming a, a um, author, especially like how did you how did you first say, I'm going to go write a book? And, I, and then how did that evolve into helping others do the same thing? Okay, very good. So I knew early on that I wanted to write books, uh, so much so that my minor in college was children's literature. I assumed because I developed that love at a young age that I would write children's books too. But guess what? I have not written a children's book yet. But I knew early on that that's what I wanted to do. But it wasn't until 2012 that I actually made steps towards making that reality. So what I did was I first went and I'm a big book nerd. I'm a huge book nerd. So I went and I checked out all of the books that I could find about writing, about publishing, about selling books. And I did the research first. So I did extensive research. I took notes. I found as much information as I could available first. And then my next step was to connect with people who were actually in the industry. So I joined the Motown Writers Network. Sylvia Hubbard became my uh, virtual mentor. And I started connecting with people in the industry. So other authors, other editors, other book designers, and I started to learn more from them and from their experiences. And from that point, I was able to publish my first book. And then that just took me on a different journey because once I got my first book out, then, okay, I had this long list of other books that I've been wanting to do. Mm -hmm. So I just began that process. And then somewhere around 2015, I wanted to be able to help other people. To do the same thing. And I knew that just based on my experience, some people might not have the same resources that I did. Mm-hmm. They might not be able to connect to the same people. They might not have the same networks. So I said, okay, what can I do to make sure that this process is one that other people can participate in and be able to realize their goals of becoming an author? So it was 2015 that I really began to make the steps and the strides in order to become a publisher. And of course, be be it true to my nature, I connected with professional organizations. I connected with uh, professional development opportunities. I started to learn more, to find another mentor in that area, and just began to grow and build from there. So that's how I got into it. And again, you know, continuing to make sure that I'm keeping up with industry standards, making sure that I'm t- staying on top of industry trends, so that I can always produce the best possible products mm. for the clients that I serve. Mm. I love it. I want to I want to go into this diversity. We're probably going to be jumping around to authoring, writing, diversity, yep. having, playing around, having a lot of fun. Um, so this this diversity and, and unity yes. and all these beautiful these these topics, where did your passion and, and the commitment to stand for these these conversations? Where did that come from? And like, let's talk about how, how you're living that today and how you, how you want people to be impacted by that message. That's a very good question. So I actually took time to think about this and to to take myself back and try and figure out, okay, where did this really start? And honestly, it did not start when I first began my official capacity um, as director of diversity, which is the role that I currently serve in. It didn't start then. That Mm -hmm. Initially, I'm like, okay, yep, 
15 years ago when I started in this role in this department, that's kind of where it started at. But no, I had to go mm-hmm. further back than there. And again, my family, my home life really prepared me for everything that I'm doing now. As I began to think about it, even before I arrived, my family was steeped in diversity. For example, my paternal great-grandfather was deported. So Mm -hmm. his experience, uh, the experience of his daughter, uh, five generations in my family of interracial relationships, um, different generational experiences as far as uh, economic stability, uh, even looking at entrepreneurship, which was something that wasn't popular. You know, entrepreneur wasn't even a term that we used 30, 40, 50 years ago. But I have, you know, my father was an entrepreneur. Like I said, when it wasn't popular, even looking at uh, the fact that I am a third generation college graduate uh, and I work with first generation college graduates to help them to maneuver the system. So every aspect of who I am, whether it's home, family, education, all of it speaks to who I am as far as the role that I, I hold in diversity. And then another aspect of it is my love for my faith. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge part of who I am. And if we think about it, each of us as an individual, our faith is a part of our culture. So whether you are an atheist and you don't believe or, or have uh, a specific belief all the way to the end of being a very active uh, participant in whatever religious belief you may hold, somewhere along the spectrum, we that's where we can find ourselves. And that is a part of our culture. It helps to influence our values. It helps to influence our belief system. It helps to influence the decisions that we make every day in our daily lives. Yeah. It's it's the faith in why. Why am I here? What is my purpose? What's the reason we're all here? What is the relationship between myself and myself and my higher self and the people around me? And uh, Mm -hmm. I I love that. I love that. That's a big part of your what drives you as well. I want to talk about the impact that focusing on diversity like you have this position officially official capacity for the last 15 years um tell us a little bit more about like what you've stood for in that capacity and then also Mm. branching out into online into author authorship publishing um i want to talk about like what you stand for with diversity there as well so tell us about both of those worlds Okay, very good question. So in my official capacity, I'll I'll share an example because uh, at the heart of what I do, like I mentioned, I work with first generation college students. And a lot of times those first generation low income students, particularly in the field of medicine where I work, they are not always considered in the big equation. So a lot of times what I have to stand for, what I fight for is as a student advocate. Uh, Sometimes that means coming against Uh, an administrator that does not agree with what you're saying or what you're standing for. Sometimes it means supporting that student, even when it's not popular. And, you know, ultimately it may cost you your job. You never know. So that's the type of thing that I stand for, regardless of what um, may be popular or political. uh, If it's right, then it's right. And I have to make sure that I'm representing those whose voices may have been silenced. Mm-hmm. And also those who who may not have found their voices yet. So I have to make sure that in the capacity that I officially represent, that I stand for what's right. And I represent those who are unable, for whatever reason, 
to represent themselves. Now, taking that and expanding into a much larger picture, what I've been able to do is I've been able to talk about those experiences. I've been able to capture some of those stories, change the gender, change the race or ethnicity, and be able to create case studies so that I can teach other educators, other people in higher education about some of these scenarios that people deal with on a regular basis. For example, right now, what we're dealing with with the coronavirus, you have college campuses that are shutting down, students are being sent home. But who's thinking about those students who uh, just came back from a spring break, if they were able to go home or go somewhere else, who may not have the funds to travel and to go back home, who may not have internet access at home, who may not have a portable computer or a tablet or something like that to be able to do online classes, which a lot of universities, institutions are encouraging students to do. So, you know, those of us who work in diversity have to be the ones who take those things into consideration and make sure that, hey, they might not say it, but these are the types of concerns that we're dealing with. They might not have the money to be able to afford X, Y, and Z. And what provisions do we have in place or what type of assistance can we provide for those individuals? And then moving even further from there, taking it to the international level, I've been very fortunate to share uh, my signature topic. I have a couple now, but uh, my signature topic on a more global scale. So uh, last year was, um, I, I presented at the University of Patras in Patras, Greece uh, for the International Diversity of uh, the diversity of Organizations, Communities, and Nations. So that's an international conference. And I was able to present last year in Patras, Greece. We're scheduled to present this year as well. So I'm looking forward to that. And hopefully the travel ban is, is lifted by that time. Um, but even taking it to an international scale, it was, it was truly a blessing for me to be able to see some of the same issues, but on a different scale. How do they deal with it in other countries? How do they deal with it on other continents? What are some of their same concerns? And what is the similarities and differences? So my, one of my signature topics is the value of diversity in the world of differences. Looking at the differences, it might be differences in geographic location. It might be differences in economic stability. It might be lots of different, dif uh, lots of differences. However, what are the things that we have in common? What can we learn from this? How can the experiences in Greece, for example, impact what I'm doing here in Michigan and vice versa? So those are the types of things that we look at at that global scale, because there are things that we have that are similar. There are things that we have that are different, but we can always learn from one another. And the other part of it that I love the most, storytelling, because at the root of it all, I love books. I yes. love telling stories. So storytelling can elevate the outcomes in any industry. So whether I'm talking about education, whether I'm talking about religion, whether I'm talking about healthcare, storytelling can elevate those outcomes because I can share a story or you can share a story that is impactful, that has actually happened to you that people can't argue with because it's your lived experience. Yep. And you can use that as a teachable moment in just about any industry. Wow. Wow. Wow, I love this. So I heard in there really focusing on what are the differences between certain communities, certain groups of people, just individuals as well, um, and making sure that those differences don't uh, disconnect or like remove people from the accessibility of the opportunity, right? Like yes. especially with with schools or you know, it's like having that voice. It's like if the difference 
causes someone to not be able to use their voice or not have the same chance or the same opportunity to succeed. Yeah. And it, it like literally takes away that, that possibility of success or makes it extremely difficult because of, you know, whatever circumstances. I love that you're really standing for those people to, to bring them back um, when there are differences, but also looking at, hey, what is the commonality? What is the common theme? That's right. And how can we remind everyone how connected we are all truly are? Because I think when you're when you're selling someone on a vision or on a, a plan or a proposal or whatever, um, you you have to sh build the case of hey, there's a, a pain here. There's something that's not that's working right. here. There's something that's not that that is going wrong or um, something that's unjust, right? Something that that gets to be corrected. And imagine what it would be like if if it was all connected again. If everyone was getting that same shot, like wouldn't that's you right. want that same? opportunity if you were in this kind of situation like wouldn't you That's don't right. you feel for this person because you're a person they're a person like you can you can have that that commonality so I, I just wanted to highlight that that's really cool that you um celebrate that and bring that into yes. the work that you do i also wanted to touch on a question we had uh, andrew hall who asked what is your favorite book i didn't want to go too too much further before <laughs> asking that what's your favorite book dr d that's a great question and it <laughs> The book that always comes to mind is Love You Forever. So Love You Forever is a children's book. And I actually was, so in my prior life, I was a, a Head Start teacher as well as a first grade teacher. So, wow. you know, I was at this conference. It was a professional development conference up near Frankenmuth, Michigan. And that book was one of the books that was featured that year. And I read that book. I fell in love with it. I went and bought it. I read that book to every one of my children. And guess what? Now that I'm a grandma, they are reading it to their children as well. So it has become a part of our family tradition, if you would. So my absolute favorite book is Love You Forever. The author is Robert Munich, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. But Love You Forever is my, my favorite book of all times. I love it. I love it. That's that's so great. And I, I really I find that there's so much purity in that because it's a children's yeah. book and you've seen it passed on in your generations. Yes. And, and so it's like you're able to see like the impact that your actions, you're saying, yes. hey, like, I'm, I want to share this, this beauty, this, this wisdom, this experience with my kids. And because it was so pure, and it was so, you know, good, that they wanted to share it with their kids as well. I think that's, yeah. that's true. That was generational. a very feel good moment. <laughs> yeah, that's generational impact right there. That's, that's yes. huge. Wow, yes. wow, this is awesome. I want to talk about um, what our audience can do to really step into more diversity in their own lives. Like, how can we how can we embrace that more? How can we stand for diversity in our lives, Dr. D? Excellent. So one of my uh, presentations is on 25 types of diversity, and that's something that a colleague, Joe Wirtz, and I created back in 2013. And the 25 types of diversity really looks at the primary characteristics as well as the secondary characteristics. The primary characteristics will be things like race, color, ethnicity, ancestry, gender, age. But when you look at the secondary characteristics, that's when you really get into what, what you're bringing to the table. Things mm -hmm. that we often don't think about, but is just as important if you think about it as an iceberg. The primary characteristics would be the top of the iceberg or the tip of the iceberg that you see above the water. But everything that you see underneath would be those secondary characteristics. And if you can imagine what an iceberg is like, it goes really, really deep. You don't know how deep it is until, you know, you're really in the thick of it. Yep. So those secondary characteristics include things like cultural diversity. We already touched on your religious beliefs, citizenship, geographic diversity. Again, um, 
there's a woman that I'm working with who was, you know, born in uh, New Mexico and she moved to Michigan and now she lives in California. We have other people who were born in Belize and now live in, you know, Chicago and other places. So geographic diversity, where have you been? Where have you traveled to? Linguistic diversity. Uh, I was just sharing with someone yesterday evening, I had an uncle who was deaf. And when I was little and we were going on family vacation to visit him, I tried to learn a little sign language. Now I was only 11 years old, but I learned again, just the alphabet, just to be able to have basic communication. So linguistic diversity, what languages do you speak? Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's sign language or whether it's English or French or Spanish or whatever language you might speak. Um, religious diversity, we already talked about, military or veteran status. Because I work in education, that's significant, whether you have that military experience, whether you're a veteran, if you're a veteran, we honor you for your service to this country. Uh, things like your relationship status, whether you're in a relationship, not in a relationship, you know, that shouldn't only come up around holidays like Valentine's Day and Sweetest Day, which mm -hmm. we celebrate in the Midwest. Uh, familial status. This is probably one of the most fun ones that I talk about. I'm the baby in the family. So I know there's some oldest children out there. There's some only children. There's some middle children. Your position in the family, all of those things impact who you are, what decisions you make, why you make them, how you make them. Um, even looking at physical characteristics, whether you are uh, vertically challenged or whether you, you know, need certain accommodations because of your height. You know, I've been in houses with with people who are really tall, my husband's 6'3", that's not really tall, but if you have an older house, you really have to duck when you're going in the basement or different things like that. So all of those aspects, economic diversity, whether it's low SES, whether it is someone who you know has been wealthy all their lives, educational and informational diversity. Informational diversity is, again, another one of those ones that I like to talk about because we have digital immigrants, those of us like me who remember the Dewey Decimal System and who remembers, <laughs> you know, things like that, or digital natives, those who've grown up with the internet and technology. Yeah. And I'll even share something and embarrass myself a little bit. I was at Eastern Michigan University when email first came out. And wow. when I first heard about email, I thought it was a new type of campus mail because I was at e Eastern Michigan University. So <laughs> even, you know, the introduction of email, the internet, things of that nature, informational diversity, whether it's something we're comfortable with, whether it's something that we utilize on a regular basis or not. That's all an aspect of how we exchange information and who we are. Um, even looking at communal diversity, whether you had sidewalks where you grew up at or not, whether you lived in the suburbs, in the urban area, or whether you lived in a rural area, those are all very different experiences. And how you interpret information is through these different lenses as we look at these different types of diversity. Another one is experiential diversity, and that really looks at, you know, whether you played sports as uh, a high school, uh, uh, a high schooler, whether you played sports in college or, or something like that. If you've had that team aspect, that's a very different experience than someone who was an only child who never played on teams, who, who you know, who never played in sports and things of that nature. Another one is musician. You know, uh, when I ask this question in a large uh, auditorium, you always have people who play, you know, drums or violin or guitar or uh, any number of different instruments, but that's very unique. If you've learned to play an instrument, that's a special mm -hmm. aspect of who you are. So there are all these different aspects of diversity that we can look at that's so much deeper than just looking at your physical characteristics. Wow. Wow. And I want to I want to build a case for our audience to like be hungry to explore diversity, mm -hmm. to be hungry to explore these different areas, because you mentioned a lot of different potential places they could explore and yes. dive into. So I want to talk about, you know, what what 
is is available for people when they choose to start to highlight and focus on some of these topics that you mentioned and how do they know which ones to dive into to really care about what kind of diversity should should they care about and go and investigate you know someone who's listening right now like where do they get started and and why should they get started that's a very good question. There's a fun activity that I, I'll share that I do with, again, some authors, some speakers. And you can do one of two things. You can develop what I call a memory list. And that memory list could be anything from your earliest memory to your favorite memory in school to your uh, favorite activity or hobby, your favorite relative, things of that nature. Why your favorite color is your favorite color. These are all, again, stories that you're building up. But depending on the situation, you want to be able to grab something from that memory list, which I also call a story inventory. Mm -hmm. uh, so you want to be able to grab mm -hmm. something from that story inventory to be able to share with someone that makes that connection because, mm -hmm. you know, whatever industry you're in, whatever business you're in, is the stories that connect to a particular emotion mm -hmm. that causes people to remember it. You can be in an auditorium and you could share 50,000 facts, but if you tell a story with it, that's what makes people remember it. So you're now connecting that story to a particular emotion. And because of that emotion, now it's being transferred to their long-term memory. Now they have mm -hmm. a connection that's going to help them to retain and to remember what you've shared. So if I see you say five months from now, hey, you're that guy that said X, Y, Z. So these stories are so important. And as you develop your memory list or your story inventory, you're able to pull up these things easily because now you've taken a little bit of time and thought about it. Even if it's your top three, your top five, now you have something that you can utilize at your convenience in a presentation to connect with your audience. You can utilize it in a book to draw someone in, to make them want to read the story and want to know more. You can use it in so many different scenarios so that now you have their attention and they'll want to listen to whatever boring statistics or whatever you have to present. I love it. I love it. And one thing, a friend of mine, Paul, Paul McFarlane, he talks about how you should have three different options, three choices of a story to go into when you first meet someone. And it's like you, you meet someone and they ask you, hey, what's your name, Chris? Okay, so tell me more about what you do. Well, I can tell you about this situation when I you know flew to Bali, or I can tell you about this situation ah. when my parents, you know, something happened. And then, or this situation where I run a 12 hour live stream, which do you want to hear about, you know? <laughs> and so you give people this opportunity to be curious about who you are and what you're, what you're doing, yes. coming prepared with those stories and with that, that memory list, that memory inventory. And, and yeah. it allows you to relate to people more effectively because you're, you're ready to share something that connects yep. you with what you think is going to be most important for them to want to hear. Yeah, I'll give you another little tip because believe it or not, I'm an introvert. Ooh. I <laughs> yeah, I know when I share that with people, like, really? So yeah, <laughs> I am an introvert. And you can actually use that to your advantage because if you are not accustomed to networking, if you're not accustomed mm -hmm. to talking to people, personally, I hate small talk. I don't say that very often, but I hate small talk. Yep. But what you can do is you can use exactly what you just said to mm -hmm. in order to break the ice. Mm -hmm. And the trick is. People love to talk about themselves. Mm -hmm. So you ask a question and get somebody to talk about themselves. Mm -hmm. It now takes the pressure off of you as an introvert. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to worry about spilling the beans or maintaining the conversation, those you know uncomfortable pauses and things of that nature. You can just ask a question, have a couple questions on standby, like you said, and get the other person to talk about themselves because most people love to talk about themselves. Yep. 
Absolutely, absolutely. So we, we got this powerful technique, this memory list and the story inventory. I think that's that's yep. awesome. Um, let's talk more about the, the why of diversity, the why of, of being open to this and what, what's really in it for people. Like, let's talk about connection. Let's talk about like really building the human, human experience and, and like yeah. tapping into love, tapping into our emotions, tapping into like what's truly important in life. Tell us more about that. So there's so many aspects of why diversity is important. Uh, the one that I'll, I'll pull up, the one that I'll focus on is the fact that if you look at, say, for example, if we have a box of crayons mm -hmm. and all the crayons in the box are yellow, all the crayons are going to color the same. They're going to see the same. They have the same lens. They have, you know, everything pretty much the same. But when you introduce a blue crayon, now the blue crayon brings something different that they have not heard about before, that they have not experienced before. And guess what? You can draw a different and more exciting picture. Yeah. So just looking at it as a box of crayons, as you continue to add these different colors, each one brings something unique. Each one brings something that they did not have before. And it expands the possibilities. Wow. So that's the best way that I can uh, explain why diversity is important. I love it. And what I'm what I'm hearing is if someone wants their greatest possible self, their best life ever, we have we, we get the to see things from multiple yeah. different perspectives. Because I think if we're limited to one perspective, then that's all we'll see and that's all we'll ever that's enjoy. We'll and see. also yeah. I think if there's only one perspective, then for example, obviously there's more than that in, in most people. I think everyone has mm -hmm. more, multiple perspectives to see things from. But if we only have that one, for example, then we're not flexible. We're not resourceful. We're not able to handle challenges and difficulties or, or even see the beauty of life. If we're so monodimensional, then it's, it's kind of like a flat life. It's a, it's a boring, everything's kind of the same way or uneventful or just lacking possibilities like you were talking about. So for our audience, someone who's tuning in right now, like if you want a more enriching, fulfilling, magical, zestful, you know, fun, enjoyable life, if you really want to feel like your existence means something, it matters, it's important, start to get outside of that comfort zone. Go see things from other people's perspective. I know for yes. me, like one of the, the most impactful things that I ever did was go down to Mexico um, to build homes for, for um, mm -hmm. the less fortunate down there. And it was with my church group. Um, just we went went down, built two homes, and I was like, man, you know, this is this is so beautiful. And I also get so much perspective on these oh, yeah. these kids and how they're living and how they're you know um, in their life. And also went to Bali last year, got to see that perspective. So when I go see something from another person's perspective, it really yes. for me has me be super grateful and super appreciative of all the the things that I have. But it also allows me to see more possibilities, like you were saying. That's right. It absolutely does. It expands. Not only the possibilities, but expands your perspective. You don't see things the same way. Once you've had that mm. exposure, you can't go back to not knowing. You can't yeah. go back to that same perspective that you had before because it's gone. It's been expanded. You can't go back to the the, the previous aspect because now it's been expanded and, and you have that uh, memory. You have that knowledge. You have that information. Yeah. I, I think also compassion grace and understanding are a big big part of diversity as well it's like when we can really have that patience and compassion for people and not get so frustrated when they do something that maybe isn't we don't understand yet or we we didn't yeah. we didn't have the the way to deal with it effectively and we're like so frustrated 
But then right. we remember, hey, they're coming from their own perspective. How can I try to yeah. put myself in their shoes and see it from their side? I think that's such a powerful exercise to do to to reduce like the the stress in life. Sometimes it could be Very really true. stressful just trying to get through. But if we put ourselves in other people's shoes, I think that really creates mm -hmm. a lot more spaciousness and peace saying, well, you know, maybe they're just having a bad day. Like I can't, I can't get mad at them or, or, or I'm not going to hold it against them if they're, you know, not having the best day. Like let's, let's keep going with my day. Let's have a great attitude in spite <laughs> of things going not so great. Right. Absolutely. And how can it become a teachable moment? That's my mm. thing. If it's something I'm not familiar with, how can this become a teachable moment? It's okay to ask questions when you don't know. So explain to me why you, why you, feel that way. Yeah. Explain to me so that I can better understand where you're coming from. It's okay to ask questions mm -hmm. and get them to talking so that you can hear and learn something. That way now you're developing empathy for that situation. So the next person that you encounter who's experiencing the same thing or something similar, you understand it a little bit better from their perspective if it's not something that you've experienced yourself. Yeah. Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about the um, signature talks that you do, because I think that's that's really valuable for our audience to know. Um, just what, what got you inspired to start speaking? And then also, what are the kinds of conversations that you have in those signature talks, especially if there's an event um, event provider, someone in the audience who might be able to connect you, get you booked on stages. Tell us a little bit more about why you started and what what's your unique experience that you bring, Dr. D. That's a very good question. And I, I've got to go back to childhood again. I was the one that because, you know, I was a good student because I had a good command of the audience and, and I guess a great voice, you know, I always got called on to be the narrator in plays or, mm. you know, the narrator and or the MC. So yeah. even though this shy little introverted girl didn't really want to be on the stage, you know, as narrator, I got to be a little off the stage mm. and still be able to share. So the speaking really started early on and it was always, you know, I'll go and I'll do this and I'll go back into my shell. I'll go and do this and I'll go back into my shell. But my speaking career really didn't start until I would say probably about 2012, 2013, mm. uh, Actually, if I if I look at it, 2013 was probably my first um, external speaking engagement. I was presenting at a conference in Toronto. So my very first experience, if you know, we look at it, was an international experience. Wow. So I got to present at this yeah. conference and my desire to share on different platforms really began from there. So again, whether it's submitting a speaker proposal for a conference, whether it's uh, being asked by someone to provide a training, I facilitated trainings around diversity and other topics. Uh, all of that is a part of being a speaker. So whether it's a small intimate audience where you're facilitating the training or doing a workshop or a presentation to presenting before thousands of people, all of it is a part of uh sharing with others. Mm -hmm. And that's really what speaking is about. Speaking is about sharing with others. So for anyone who's, you know, a little put off by public speaking, you don't have to look at it as, you know, public speaking, this big, scary thing, you know, mm -hmm. as a kid, we don't mind sharing. We don't no. mind talking. But somewhere in the process, we're discouraged. You know, uh, in my generation, if kids are to be seen and not heard and mm -hmm. things of that nature. And you really have to deprogram yourself in order to be empowered to go forth and be that person that you want to be, be your greatest self. Mm. I had to overcome a lot of that and find my voice and know that my experiences matter. And even when I dealt with not feeling like I should be in the room, mm. I'm in the room and I'm going to own this moment. Wow. Uh, and I, I really love that you have overcome everything that you did, the, the, the like seeing yourself as this shy, introverted person, <laughs> right? Like 
doesn't matter yes. where we begin. It's saying, what do, I, what do I stand for? What do I value? What experiences do I want to create in my own life? And also, I think uh, something I've related to is it's great if I have these gifts, but if nobody's receiving them and being benefited from them, then what good are they? You know, I, I, I feel great. like I'm here and we're here to share our gifts and to live our purpose and serve others in the process. So it's like yes. if we're selfish and don't don't step up to the to the spotlight because we're concerned about how we look or, you know, just different mm -hmm. stuff that we picked up from the past. It's like it's understandable. And how much longer are we willing to let our gifts kind of just sit there and not make the That's impact right. that they could? It, it's a travesty. And so I really yeah. I love that you stepped up and you said, I'm going to embody my voice because I know yeah. if I want to empower and, and, and I'm committed to empowering the people around me to own their voice and share their story and share their message and step into the spotlight and, and claim what they deserve – then I get yes. to do it for myself first. And I think that's, that's, right. that's the most powerful place of integrity to share from, Dr. D. Absolutely. And I love it because, you know, again, whether it's a small intimate setting or a large crowd, I get to go and I get to share and I get to answer questions and expand their experiences. And the beautiful thing about my signature topics is mm -hmm. they can be customized for just about any industry. And I've been pushing myself out of my comfort zone yeah. and getting out of just education and out of, you know, just healthcare and really branching into other fields because these topics are applicable in any, mm -hmm. any industry. So mm -hmm. there are, there's something you can talk about as far as diversity in any industry. So I've been really pushing and, and getting out there because I do want to have people thinking on a deeper level about what mm. they offer, what they bring to the table, how you can be your best self, how you can, you know, uh, display more of you and empower others in the process. Yeah. So, you know, again, from going from that shy little girl to where I am now, somebody who's watching me can say, hey, if she did it, I can do it too. So being mm -hmm. inspirational to somebody else, I love that aspect of it. So, you know, if anybody wants to reach out to me, we'll share some contact information. I'm happy to consider any speaker uh, engagements and things of that nature. I love it. I love it, Dr. D. This is great. We're, we're talking about sharing our message and you owning the gifts that you have to bring. And I think that's a, a conversation in alignment with legacy. When we yes. truly step up to, to leaving our legacy, when we truly step up to our gifts, that's when we make that impact. I want to talk about you. For you, why is legacy? Why is generational legacy? And, and especially in the written word and all the, all the great work that you're doing today, why is that so important for you? So... I know when I was a young person, I didn't spend as much time as I possibly could have with my parents or my grandparents because I was doing my own thing as most young people are. They want their own space and time yeah. and all of that. And, you know, in, in reflection, in hindsight, you know, I miss some valuable moments that I'm not able to get back. So legacy for me really is about capturing those things that I can leave for future generations who may never have a chance to have a conversation with me, but they can read a memoir. They may never have a chance to be uh, taught in a workshop, but they can have this book that explains this process. So really it's about what are you going to leave in the earth realm that will continue after you're long and gone? That's what legacy is for me. It's about taking the things that I've learned and helping somebody else so they don't have to go through the same painful process. They can start from that point and move forward in a more powerful way. So legacy is all of that. It's being able to leave you know, the written legacy so that the families and others know about your experiences. But it's also about what you can document. That way you can teach others and be able to continue that process. I don't want someone to have to start over if I've already done the work. What can I do to share that so they can start from that point and build from there? Yeah. 
Yeah, this is this is so great. Something that came up for me is we've talked about diversity and the importance of that. I want to talk about the importance of unity because I think it's important to have mm-hmm. both diversity and unity. Yeah. Tell us how unity comes into um, the teachings and the experience and what you do share about as well. So unity is important because you have to have a vision or a goal that you're working towards. You can have, I look at goals as the door at the top, at the top of the staircase. So if the goal is the door at the top of the staircase, then the objectives to get there would be the stairs leading up to that door. So if you look at it in that way, you can have unity amongst a group of people, even if they're at different levels. Let's just use technology, for example. Mm -hmm. So even if they're at different levels, one person may only know how to send a text message. They don't know how to send an email or, you know, get on social media and things of that nature. Somebody else might be real tech savvy. They've got their own app they've developed and things of that nature. Well, in Unity, Unity is bringing, again, the things that they do well and allowing those objectives to you know, be able to speak to them so that they can accomplish it, they can contribute, and each one is working towards getting to that ultimate goal. So we don't have to be on the same level as far as education, as far as skills or abilities or knowledge, but we can use what we have and what we bring to the table to keep get us closer to the ultimate goal. So I think unity is important, and too often we want to have people who are at our same level and who know the same things that we know, but you can take just about anybody and work together with them in unity. I Identifying the goal that you're working on and then bringing whatever skills and abilities you have to the table, identifying what those are and how you can work on your particular objective to meet the main goal. Mm, I love it. I think the the clarity of the vision, where do we want to go? What's the destination? Because that's that's I think that's where where people where we get to choose who we surround ourselves with as well. Uh, I think I've heard a quote, something along this, but you don't have to share your just because you share a common past with someone doesn't mm-hmm. mean you have to share a, a few fu- the future, right? That's like right. like that's surround right. yourself with people who you share that common future with because that's mm-hmm. where it's like, hey, these are the values that I'm committed to living and embodying and sharing into the world. Who else is around me who wants to bring this vision forth? Who wants to live this that's vision? Right. I know like Martin Luther King talked about like having that dream, having that big vision that everyone could could get behind, they could unite with, they could see it, they could feel it, they could touch yep. it, they could taste it, they could smell it, right? And that's yes. what compelled so many people to come together. So I want to talk about when you're working with your authors, what is the, the importance of clarifying their vision of what they want to do with their book and the, the impact that they want to make? So there are a lot of teachable moments when it comes to that, because a lot of times I'm working with first time authors. So these are people who may or may not have any idea about the process and writing, publishing and selling books are three very separate and distinct processes. So someone who's working on publishing a book, they, you know, a a common thing that you ask someone who's, you know, just a novice in the field, who's your book for? And they say, oh, my book is for everyone. And, you know, honestly, (laughs) yes, everyone, you know, different segments of people might enjoy your book, but your book is not for everyone. So even something as simple as who your book is for, those become teachable moments because you have Mm -hmm. to be able to break it down to a level where they understand there's a particular person that you had in mind when you were writing this book, and that's your ideal reader. And even if your target audience, for example, is, you know, uh, 35 to 50 year old Caucasian Mm -hmm. males in economics, you know, even though that might be your target audience, your ideal reader would be that one specific person. Let's call him Joe. 
Joe is going to be your ideal reader. So as you're writing the book, you should have Joe in mind. And write it as if you're having a conversation with Joe. Mm -hmm. That way, you know that it's going to get to that that level where you're connecting with that ideal reader and they want to know more. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, and again, I mentioned I'm a book nerd. Some books I've read, some that are in my library I've read, some I started reading, set them to the side, I'll come back to that. You know, we all have uh, different things that we like and we enjoy. Sometimes this is the season for it. You know, sometimes I'll come back to it. But we want to be able to write a book since we're talking about working with authors. We want to be able to write a book that's going to connect to that person that you have in mind. So all of this becomes teachable moments each step of the process. And for Claire Alden Publications, we do a personalized, customized process and kind of step-by-step walk them through through each step of the process. So they're learning. Uh, We're also, you know, being able to share that moment, that experience with other people. And then we are helping them to expand their knowledge of this field that they're going into. Because if you're an author, you're not just the author of a single book. You are now an entrepreneur because your book is your business and your book often becomes your best business card. So we want to be able to to share with them some of the statistics. No, you might not get rich, you know, being an author. The average author only sells 250 books. So going in, knowing that, setting some realistic targets and then showing them how you can exceed those targets, things of that nature so they have realistic goals. All of that is important in the process. Wow. So I love that you you really focus on each of those, the the writing, the publishing, mm-hmm. and the selling of the book, because they are, like you said, three very distinct yes. processes to, to really master and own in on. I want to talk about working with Claire Alden Publications and um, you know what, what you guys are doing, what you are, okay. are doing in the world. Um, who's the type of person who, who should be working with you and um, you like you really make the difference for you you have the secret sauce the special way that you do <laughs> publications the writing the publishing the selling of the of the book um, who's the type of person tell us a little bit more about how you 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 are this special gem in the world tell us about that dr. D <laughs> well Claire Alden publications is an award-winning publishing company now. We were awarded the Excellence in Publishing Award by the Act Like an Author, Think Like a Business Conference in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, So we're now award-winning. In addition to that, we are a member of the Independent Book Publishers Association. It's a national organization. It's uh, one of the places where, again, we make sure that we're following industry standards and getting that professional development. And then on top of that, we are now also Better Business Bureau accredited. Mm -hmm. So again, we only launched in the end of 2017. So that's a lot to accomplish in a few short years. So I'm very proud of that. But as far as the authors, the primary uh, audience, and again, we work with lots of different people, but our primary audience is going to be first-time authors. The bare minimum requirement, I would say, is being able to communicate by email because, again, a lot of this has to be um, transmitted electronically. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we've had some out-of-state authors as well as in-state authors. So being able to at least communicate by email is going to be a minimum requirement. But a lot of the first time authors that I work with are those who are, I would say, probably 45 years old and up. They have stories to tell. Again, this is the population that's lived some life. They've got some stories to tell. They may have some stories that they want to leave for their family members and things of that nature. But we help them to produce a professional industry standard book mm-hmm. and create that written legacy that so many people want to have. So that's the person that we really want to work with. And I've developed a process to be able to get that done. So we have 
again, a five-step book creation process mm -hmm. that takes someone from blank page all the way to published author. Wow. I love it. I love it. This is great. Um, I love that you mentioned that you're an award-winning publisher as well, that your company is, yeah. is doing that. Because I think that's important to really highlight when we're getting recognized, when, when we're doing great things. Yes. Um, what would you recommend for authors who are who maybe are already publishing their books, they already have a book, to really maximize that, to, to get it in front of the right people, to have it make the impact that they're really hoping for. You got any tips for that, Dr. Deandra? I do. So the best thing to do is to know what's available. Again, there are tons of book awards. If you want to be an award-winning author, there are tons of book awards that you can submit your manuscript for. In addition, there are other opportunities that you want to think about. Most people, you know, will have an ebook and a paperback book, but mm -hmm. there are so many other product options that you can explore with that book. If you just have the one book, you have no desire to publish any more books, that's fine. What else can you do with that book? What are other, what's other merchandise that you can use around it? What are other things that, that you can do? Even doing an audio book, Braille, a screenplay, a conference, a workshop. There's so many other things to explore with just that one product. So you want to maximize what you have in that and see, okay, what, uh, what additional products, what additional merchandise can I create around this one thing that I've already created in order to maximize uh, my exposure. Wow. Wow. So it's, it's really leverage. How do I leverage this, yes. this work of art that I've already poured my heart, my soul, <laughs> my being into yes. and take the framework, take, take the main points, take the, the belief patterns, the exercises, the things in there that make the biggest difference, the, yep. you know, the crux of it and how, how we do that and be able to share that with, with others um, in, a, in additional beneficial ways, right? Because maybe not Definitely. everyone's going to read the physical copy, but they might love the ebook. Right. They might love the audiobook. They might like yeah. a video training series that they can buy yes. that's, that's more visual for them. So there's all kinds Absolutely. of different options and, and we get to figure out what's, what's the next logical step, what feels good, what's in alignment with us and our gifts as well. Yes, that's exactly right. You want to be able to, like you said, leverage what you already have created and be able to monetize it in different ways. That way you can have, you know, I could think of 10 off the top of my head, 10 different ways that you can, you know, monetize that one uh, product that you've already created. And it's yeah. probably, you know, at least 25 more on top of that. Wow. Wow. I love it. I love this. Tell us about um, writing going into the next couple of years. Like, what do you see as important as far as authors in the next couple of years having their books be be um, you know well well known, getting the word out, publishing? What do you what trends do you see, Dr. Deandra? That's a very good point. And again, I I don't think say twenty years ago people would have guessed that. Uh, digital production and things of that nature would have taken off like it has. Mm -hmm. So I think it would be uh, to an author's best interest to make sure that they have something, not just a physical product, but also have some digital products as well, whether it's your ebook, whether it's an online curriculum, whether it's whatever you want to create, having both a digital presence as well as having uh, a physical product, I think is, is a place to start. Mm -hmm. You also want to make sure that you're maximizing the methods that people utilize to communicate. Right mm -hmm. now, video is really big. Uh, audio is taking off, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing what that morphs into moving forward. Uh, so I don't necessarily have predictions as far as what that's going to look like, but you definitely want to maximize what's available to you. I'm, you know, uh, 
old enough to know, you know, when uh, advertising was limited to radio, TV, billboards, mm. and now we have social media available to us. It's, it's, you know, pretty much you can, you know, record a video and get out there and tons of people can see that video. But, you know, a lot of people are not utilizing that that available pl pl platform mm. that really doesn't cost anything except your time. So being able to maximize what's already available before it goes away. We don't know what the next five years, 10 years is going to look like. So why not step out of your comfort zone, put fear on the back burner, and just begin to utilize those things that you have to get the exposure that you need. The first thing that you got to do in order to reach that target market is get their attention. What are you going to do to get their attention to be able to let them know, hey, I have this great story over here. Hey, I have this great experience. You should know about it. You have to get their attention first. So utilizing the methods of communication that are already available to make sure that you're getting your message out there. Gold. Gold, Dr. D. I love this. I want to talk about your faith because we wrap up this conversation. I think it's such a perfect point of home to really drive okay. home. Um, for you, like, what do you what do you see moving forward in the next couple of years? How, how do you want to embody your faith even more? What, what do you want to create around your faith, your relationship with, with your higher power, with God, Jesus, you know, like just your, your spiritual practices? Tell us a little bit more about what's important there for you. That's a very good question. So to start off, I want to bring more balance to my own life. I recognize that I am guilty of focusing on others and not enough on myself. Mm. So that's going to be changing in the immediate future. And I say that as we talk about faith, because if I'm giving all of my time to other people and other people's projects, then I'm not taking care of myself. I'm not worshiping. I'm not reading. I'm not praying and doing the things that I know I need to be doing. So I have to be my best self in order to give my best self to other people. Mm. That's to start. Uh, and in saying that, that means that I'll be reclaiming some of my time to focus on my own projects that I need to be doing. There's a lot that I want to be able to teach other people as far as spiritual practices, as far as things of that nature. So there are quite a few books brewing on the inside of me, and that's the best way for me to be able to get things out there. At the heart of it all, I'm a teacher. I love to teach other people, and I know that I am. It's my responsibility to be able to take what I know and be able to share it with others. So that's where I see this going, being much more active with my own content uh, that God has given me and, and wants me to be able to share with the world. So really taking that, owning it and making it happen, mm. reducing the time from idea to actuality. I feel that. I feel that resonates with a lot of people in the audience is like, hey, we're doing all this work and serving other people, which is great. It's important. It's necessary. And, yeah. and we're creating so much good because of it. And what is our own message? What is our own music that we're meant to be sharing with the world? And are we are we yes. communicating that? Are we working on our heart projects, our soul projects mm -hmm. that will really move the needle for us, for our, our purpose and our, our higher self in, in this life? Yeah. So I love it, Dr. D'Andrea. Let's talk about how people can stay connected with you, how they can get in contact with you. What are the next steps that they can take? All right. Well, that's a great question. So I'll give my email first. If you'd like to connect with me, the best way to do that is through email. And that's info at clairealden.com, I-N-F-O at C-L-A-I-R-E. A-L-D-I-N.com. So info at clairalton.com is the email. You can also connect with me on social media if you want to follow me personally. 
You can find me at Dr. DC Matthews. That's on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, you could also follow me on Facebook. You could also follow my business pages. So Claire Alden Publications is on Facebook. Uh, it's also on uh, Twitter as well as Instagram at Claire Alden. So those are the best ways to connect. Uh, I'm active on social media, so you can follow me on my personal page as well as the business page. Find out what's coming up next, what's on the horizon. We love to promote our authors and other things that are going on. So I look forward to connecting with all of you. I love it. So it's www.clairealden.com, info at yep. Claire Alden and uh, Dr. DC Matthews. And that's how they can find you on social media and Claire Alden yep. on social media. I just want to ask a quick question. Sure. How did the Claire Alden name come about? <laughs> Very good question to close out. So those are representative of the middle names for me and my husband. My husband's middle name is actually Alden. That's where the Alden part came from. And my middle name is Clarice. But when I was little, going back to childhood, <laughs> when I was little, my mom and my grandma called me Clary. So mm -hmm. Claire is the sophisticated version of Clary. Wow. <laughs> so I that's how it. we came up with Clear Alden Publications. I love it. It's just so, so personal, so connected. So it is. Dr. D'Andrea, thank you so much for, for being here, You're for sharing welcome. your light, your love, your wisdom with our audience. It's been a blast. And uh, if you <laughs> in the audience are thinking about writing a book, you've you've been knowing that there's something inside of you that you're meant to share with the world. You're meant to communicate it. Talk to her. Talk to Dr. D and, and see what you can do to get that story. Bring it to life. I think she's someone who can really, really support you in doing that and do it in a special way. So I just, I love the work that you're doing. Thank you so much. Thank you so me. much. It's been my pleasure to share with you. Thank you. You have a great rest of your day, okay? You too. Bye-bye. Take care. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for tuning in. Right now, we've reached the end of this episode but this is the start of a whole new beginning. Each and every moment, you have an opportunity to rewrite your story. Right here, right now, decide and commit who you are going to be. Think about how you will use these ideas, wisdom, and inspiration to make the difference in your life. What actions will you take today and every day to step into your greatest possible self. Again, a big shout out to our sponsor, EmployeeEscapePlan.com. If you're committed to learning how to truly harness your abilities and passions to serve the people who are hungry and desperate for what you have to offer, make a great income off of your genius, or if you're ready to get more clients to pay you more money, head over to www.EmployeeEscapePlan.com plan.com and let Joe know you were sent by Chris. Did you enjoy this episode? Let your friends know about it. Share the website, beyourgps.com and send me some love on social media. If you want to clarify your vision, uncover blind spots, get more energy, tap into your flow and take massive action, head over to beyourgps.com forward slash coaching to schedule some time into my calendar. Now, master yourself, create your reality, and make every day your best day ever. <laughs>